verses 1 to 4. We'll read probably down actually to verse number 5. We'll be fine. Paul says, Let a man so account of us as, the, as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of, any, uh, or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self. For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified. But he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. And then shall every man have praise of God. Father, we pray that you'll bless the message this morning and speak to our hearts. I pray that you'd help us to rightly understand and be able to clearly and uh, with, uh, with great power be able to bring forward the truth of this passage that our hearts will be receptive to it, that we'll hear it and understand it, and then, Father, that we will allow this truth to be a, uh, a truth that guides and directs uh, our actions and will cause us to have a heart that is dedicated and consecrated to you. Bless all that is said and done, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul, of course, and I, I made this statement just a moment ago that I was going to speak on the idea of being stewards of Christ. The truth of the matter is, uh, that's a phrase that a lot of people use, but we're not really stewards of Christ. We're stewards of the mystery of the gospel. Uh, the mysteries of God, the Bible refers to in verse number one, but we are ministers of Christ. Years ago, uh, my dad, and it's amazing to me how many times the apostles will begin uh, the letters that they wrote with their name, and they say, like, Paul perhaps might do it. He says, Paul, and a lot of times he'll put a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ or a servant of God. And many of the apostles will do this. And my dad used to say years ago, he said, if God would have more servants, we, we, we have so many people, it seems like, looking for titles and, and position and, and, uh, and uh, for a pat on the back for different things. But if we just had some more servants, if God just had more servants, he'd have all the laborers in the field that he needed. And for folks that would say, I just want to be a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice a few things about these verses this morning that I think will be a help to us with regards to faithfully serving what God has called us to do. And verse number one, he deals with this idea. He says, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ. A minister of Christ, this would be someone that would serve, someone that would uh, be, uh, years ago they would have um, uh, people that would be a valet for uh, uh, for someone, and that person was to wait on them, or maybe a butler or a maid or something of those, those ideas. And the, the idea of ministering is, is literally an idea of service. Uh, a lot of people call pastors ministers, and the reason for that is we are servants uh, we are here to serve uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're here to do uh, His bidding and His calling and to do all that we can to uh, take the things that God has given and help people understand those things and uh, walk in those things and encourage them and uh, motivate them and do all that we can to encourage one another, to help train people in the area of doctrine and be able to find those things. But the Bible teaches us here that we are to be ministers of Christ, ministers of Christ. We're to be servants. Now, there's something to be said of this, and that is the fact that uh, because we are the ministers of Christ, we have been called by Him. We're not called by men. We're not getting seeking men's approval, but we are the ministers of Christ Himself. 
Um, I like the idea in the Old Testament how many times it seems like. Uh, in fact, in, um, in Isaiah, I believe it was in chapter um, 53, it's, he said, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here am I, send me. Can I tell you, that's the kind of attitude a minister of Christ is. Oftentimes in the Old Testament, God would come and speak to um, men of the Old Testament. And you call them by name audibly, and their answers and their replies, according to Scripture, many times were, Here am I. When God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, he said, Here am I. Uh, when he came to, uh, uh, to uh, um, uh, Samuel, uh, even though he didn't understand the first two times that it was God calling him, Eli told him on the third time, he said, next time he calls, say, here am I. And Samuel said, here am I. And can I tell you this? The mindset of God's people ought always to be, here am I. We ought to purpose in our hearts before the opportunities that God brings into our path ever come across our path, we ought to already say, Lord, it doesn't matter what you ask me to do. My spirit and my will is such that I'm saying yes to it right now. Before we ever come to church service, I think a Christian ought to spend some time preparing their hearts and saying, God, if you'll show me your truth, my answer is already yes. We ought not wait till the piano and the organ play music and for the pastor to say, okay, it's time to come to the altar for us to sit and debate or to struggle within ourselves whether a decision for Christ is needed or not. We need to have our minds set at the onset before we ever come to church, before we ever come to the preaching of God's Word, to say, Lord, if you'll show me your truth, then the answer is already yes. We call this being yielded to the Holy Spirit of God. To say, Lord, it does not matter what you call me to do. Uh, a fellow years ago made this statement. I wrote it down somewhere in my Bible. And he said this, A servant has no right to determine where or how he serves. That is rather for the master to decide. I've never yet seen a servant or uh, someone that serves a, a master come up to them and the master says, I want you to do this. And they said, well, master, I really don't want to do that. I'd rather go over here and do this. But yet so often it seems like in the Christian life, when God leads us a particular way and He lays a path before us, and He says, this is what I want you to do. There are so many times I find in my life and in the lives of people that many times will talk with me about problems and struggles they're going through. There are so many times we find ourselves saying, Lord, I know that's the way, but I want to go this direction. We started studying in Exodus chapter number 14 today. We didn't get as far, and I'll give you a little preview of some of what we're going to deal with next Sunday. But the Bible talks about the children of Israel going through the Red Sea. And I think there's a beautiful picture given there of the Christian life. Because the Bible says in Exodus chapter number 14 that they walked through on dry ground. And the Bible says that the water was a wall to them on the right and a wall to them on the left. And the, the messenger, the, the angel of God, went from before them and went behind them to shield them from the Egyptians. And they have a wall of water on the left and a wall of water on the right. And they have the shield behind them. And the only way they can go is one direction, and that's forward. Can I tell you this? That ought to be the way it is in our lives. That when it comes to serving God, we take our will and we lay it aside and we say, God, I don't want my will. I want the path that you have laid out before me. Why? Because I want to minister to Him. I want to be His servant. I don't want God to be my servant. I don't want God to be at my beck and call. I want to be at His. 
And so oftentimes we, I'm thankful God answers prayer. And I'm thankful God meets our needs. But I think sometimes we get things changed around. And a lot of churches around our country today will preach a gospel that says that God is subject to man. Can I tell you this? Nowhere in this Bible does it say that God is subject to man. But we are subject to Him. We are His servant. I want His will in my life, not my will in His. I want to make sure that when He lays out a a race before me to run, when He puts that path in front of me to walk, I want to make sure that I've got a wall on the right side and a wall on the left side and something behind me to keep me from retreating. And I want to just keep pressing on toward the mark. You say, Brother Greg, why do you want to do that? For the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We get to this portion of Scripture, and the Bible speaks of the fact that we are to be ministers of Christ. We're here for His purposes, not Him for ours. We're here for His will to be done, not Him for our will to be done. Oh, that we would learn this truth and put it, ingrain it into our lives, etch it upon the tables of our heart, engrave it there so that it does not leave. We do not lose it. We go through our lives day by day by day, and we tend to have this idea that I can live my life my way. And how often we don't say it, but we practice that. Oh, that we would come to God every morning of every day of our lives and say, Lord, I don't want my will today, I want yours. I don't want to walk my way today, I want to walk your way today. Give me some frontlets for my eyes. Give me a wall to the right and a wall to the left, and let me walk in your path. By the way, you want to know what the wall is to us today? It's not a bunch of water. The wall to the right and the wall to the left is found right here. We have it. It's in clear view. We don't have to sit there and scratch our heads and wonder. I wonder which way is the path. God lays it plain before us in His Word. He gives us His will very clearly. Oh, that we would just say, yes, Lord, here am I. I'll walk that way. My answer is already yes. Lord, I want to be your servant. I want to be your minister. I want to serve you. I'm thankful that God, even though He does not need us in this world, has chosen to use us to accomplish His work in this world. We find that here in verse number 1. Look with me if you will. The Bible says, Let a man so account of us as the minister's of Christ, so we are to be His servants here, His minister, and stewards of the mysteries of God. A steward was somebody that the master could entrust his material things, his, the affairs of his household. He could place his authority in them and say, okay, you have the ability to do this. I'll give you an illustration, of a, a good illustration, a Bible illustration of what a steward would be. If you remember back to the story of Joseph, when he went into Potiphar's house, the Bible says that Potiphar kept nothing from him. He had implicit trust in Joseph for all the affairs of his house. Joseph was over his servants. He was over all of his material possessions. He was over all of his business matters. And Potiphar said, Joseph, and without, without using this term, he says, basically, I'm going to make you the steward of my house. You're the one that has been entrusted with these things. Take good care of them as I would. By the way, we are stewards, notice this in verse number 1, of the what? The stewards of the what? The mysteries of God. God has entrusted us 
with the mysteries of God, and we are to take good care of them. We're to, we're to treat them the way that God would treat them. The Bible says that the church is the pillar and ground upon which truth rests. The idea that He has entrusted us with the mysteries of God. Now, it's interesting for me to, to, to think of this term, mysteries of God, and certainly uh, the, the easy explanation and understanding of this phrase, and I've heard people study this and say, okay, boy, I wonder what the mysteries of God are. There are some, some things that we still don't even know. God hasn't chosen to give them to us in Scripture. There are things that some of the writers of Scripture saw and experienced firsthand that God said, shut them up, don't write about them, because they won't be able to understand them, they're too much for them, and they're not for this time. And so there are some things that we don't understand. The Bible says we see through a glass darkly now. And so in this life, while we're still in this world, there's some things we don't understand. But I don't believe that in this context, the mysteries of God that he's speaking of here are speaking of those things. The Bible says that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. Could we say that's a mystery to them? Because they're spiritually discerned. We've been given the stewardship of a truth that the lost world does not know. We've been entrusted with it. God has given it to us and has put it in our trust saying, I want you to do with it the same as I would do with it. You're there in my place. I'm giving you the authority over uh, to use it. I'm giving you the, uh, the permission to use it. I'm giving you all access to it. We are the stewards of the mysteries of God. Now, notice this. In order for a master to give a servant stewardship of something that belongs to him, there was one requirement. You know what the requirement was? We find it in verse number 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found what? God says, listen, I'm going to entrust you with this. And I want you to, I mean, I, I want you to get a hold of this thing. And I want to entrust it to you and I want you to do with it the same as I would do with it. I want you to handle it with the same care. I want you to utilize it and use it with the same vigor and determination and boldness. Take your place, hold your place here because we're going to come back to this in just a moment. Look with me in the book of Matthew chapter 25. We find an illustration as Jesus is in his earthly ministry and he uses an illustration very similar to what we're dealing with here. In Matthew chapter number 25 and verse number 13. He says, Watch ye therefore, for ye know not the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. So understand what Jesus is trying to teach His disciples here. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. <clears throat> and unto one he gave the five talents, to another two, to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Now, one thing I find that is implied in these two verses, and I think we could all be in agreement, is that in all three of these servants, the master had faith in them. He entrusted them and said, I want you to take my goods and treat them as I would. 
He entrusted them to all three of them. Notice the Bible says, Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. Likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged it in the earth and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. Boy, could we make application to that with regards to the gospel? There are those that take the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and they reach people with it. They say fruit that is born from it. Then you find people that have the gospel of their master, their if you will, let's use the phrase that's used in First Corinthians, the mystery of God. And they take it and they bury it in the earth. They do nothing with it. We find that the Master had faith in these men. I want you to notice that these stewards that it speaks of in 1 Corinthians chapter number 4 are appointed by Christ. By the way, we find that appointment in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. When the Bible teaches us that we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, we're to baptize uh, and and, uh, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever God has commanded us, we're to be doing the Great Commission. We find that we were appointed by Christ. And because we are appointed by Christ, notice that we look in verse number 3 of 1 Corinthians chapter 4. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Can I tell you this? When it comes to our service to God, when it comes to our entrusting, our stewardship of the mysteries of God, we are not accountable to one another for it. We are accountable to one person, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not to be judged one of another for it, but one day we will stand before God and be judged for it. The Bible says that a Christian, while he will not stand in judgment for being condemned by his sin, he will stand and give an account of the works that he has done in his own body in this lifetime. And some of us are going to see rewards and some of us are going to suffer loss, the Bible says. Why? Because some of us have been stewards (coughs) that took those talents, if you will, took that which was entrusted to us. And we went out and we produced more. We treated it like the Master would while others of us have taken that thing that has been entrusted to us, and we've just put it inside and said, I'm not going to deal with it. I'm not going to do anything with it. I'm just going to bury it in the earth. We find that we are appointed by Christ. We are accountable only unto Christ, and we are not to be judged one of the other. Notice as we get to back in Matthew chapter 25, and again, hold your place in 1 Corinthians for a moment, that all three of these servants when the master came back, stood one at a time before the master. They did not stand before one another. They were not judged by their peers, but they were judged rather by the master. And as they were judged by the master, I want you to notice a couple of things. In verse number 17, the Bible says, And likewise, he that had received two also gained other two, but he that had received one went and digged in the earth hid his Lord's money after a long time, the Lord of those things servant cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received the five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. 
His Lord said unto him, Well done. Notice this. Thou good and faithful servant, thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. What an amazing statement. How many of you want to hear that one day before the Lord? I do. Boy, I sure want to hear that. I hope that I will. But I'll tell you this. There are a lot of times I catch myself being the third servant. Notice what he says here in verse 22 of chapter 25. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. Now, if these servants were to judge one another, what would have taken place there is they would have looked at the fellow who earned five talents. They said, boy, man, I'll tell you what, you are a man of God. <laughs> I'm going to have you come to my Bible conference, and I'm going to have you be the keynote speaker at my Bible conference. Now, this fellow over here, he's only gotten two. Brother, we're, we're glad that God's using you, but I'm not going to have you at my Bible conference. I, I'm going to, you know what, uh, you may be good, but this guy's really good. You see the difference? But notice how the Lord looks at him. <clears throat> Verse number 23, His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Now, I don't claim to be an expert in grammar and English. But if I take those verses and I look at them closely, it seems to me that the man who only produced two talents got the same reward, the same commendation from his master as the man who only had the five, or had the five. Aren't you glad that it is God that judges us and not man? For we are not judged by our fruit, but by our faithfulness. By the way, I'll tell you this. If our faithfulness is what it should be, our fruit will always be what it should be. I'm not talking about faithfulness to attend church. I'm not talking about our faithfulness to, to maybe read our Bible and pray. I'm talking about the faithfulness to be the steward of the mysteries of God. It is required in a steward that a man be found faithful. That which God has entrusted me with, I must be faithful to it. By the way, that which God has entrusted you with, it is required that we are faithful in that. Has He given us the gift of eternal life? Has He given us His gospel? Absolutely. Has He given us the responsibility to be the pillar and the ground upon which that truth rests? Absolutely. We must be faithful to it. By the way, that means we better stand up for it. We better defend it. We better proclaim it. We better declare it. We better get up on the highest mountaintop. We need to take it. And as a big banner that's going forth in the front of the armies, getting ready to march into battle, we need to take the banner of God's Word as a Christian and wave it high without shame and without embarrassment to a lost and a dying world and say, I'm a Christian, and not only am I a Christian, but I am a Bible-believing Christian. And not only am I a Bible-believing Christian, but I am a Bible-practicing Christian, and I am not ashamed of it. And there needs to be more of God's people that will stand up in the world we live in today. And I think a lot of the mess we see in our country and around the world has been the neglect of God's people. It's been the third steward kind of mentality. 
That we've taken that which has been entrusted to us, and we've taken it and buried it into the earth of our hearts, this earthen vessel that God's given us. And we've done nothing with it. And then we find ourselves in a situation that we find ourselves in today, and we begin to worry. And then we begin to pray, Oh God, help us. Help us out of these problems and these trials that we find ourselves in. Can I tell you this, that while God is gracious and willing to forgive us, there are times that we still bear the marks of our decisions and we still must confront the consequences of them. I'm thankful that God forgives us these things. And when they come to light in our hearts as God's people, we can come to an altar or we can kneel by our bedside or we can go out in the woods and get alone with God and say, God, forgive me, for I have been a steward that has taken the mysteries of God and has hidden them in this earthen vessel and done nothing with it. God, forgive me. From this point forward, I want to be a steward that treats what you have entrusted me with the same way that you would treat it, the same way that you would deal with it. We are not only appointed by Christ, but we are accountable only unto Christ. By the way, Galatians 1, verse number 10. Let, take a moment to turn over there. I love this verse. I think it's a verse that most people ought to live their life by quite regularly. For do I, uh, Paul writes, For do I now persuade men or God? Boy, that's the question, isn't it? The question of the hour. Do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Who is it we're trying to please? You say, well, Brother Greg, I'm trying to please God with my life. I'm not, I'm not looking to please the world. Okay, I can buy that for a moment, but are we trying to please self more than God? Last time I checked, I am a man. And if I'm trying to please self more than God, then I'm worried about pleasing man more than I am about pleasing God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self. Paul said, I don't even judge it myself. For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified. But he that judgeth me is Lord. He's the one that has the right. He's the master of the house. He is the Lord of the servant. He's the one that has every right to look at what he's entrusted the steward with and look at what the steward has done with it, and either say, that's exactly what I would have done, or say, you've disappointed me. He'll either look at the steward and say, you've treated it the way I would have, you've been faithful in a few things, because of that I'm going to reward you for it, and I'm going to make you ruler over many things, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Or he's going to look at us as stewards and say, boy, I entrusted you with the greatest thing I had. And you did nothing with it. Are we faithful as stewards of God? I'm a minister of the Lord. I am a servant. There's no doubt about that. God has taken my servanthood and has taken it one step further by entrusting me with that which is precious to Him. 
by the thing that is most important to God. You know the whole reason that God sent His only Son to come to this earth and die on the cross and rise again on the third day? You know the only reason He did that was so that men could be saved? The, The thing that throughout history, from the beginning of the world, in fact, even before, the Bible says, the foundations of the world, God already had this planned. That the most important thing, the most important work that He would accomplish throughout the history of mankind was the redemption of man's soul. The most precious thing He had. The thing that means the most to Him. What are we doing with it? Are we burying it in an earthen vessel? Are we taking it and putting it and hiding it away? Saying, boy, I'm saved. Got that taken care of. And God, I'm, I'm glad for that. And I'm thankful for that. But that's, I'm just going to stay here and I'm going to mind my own business now until the rapture happens or until I go to heaven. Or are we going to receive that from the Lord, the master of the house, and say, not only do I want to have it, I want to go out here and make sure others can benefit from it as well. I want to see it reproduced. I want to see more people that understand the mysteries of God. I want to see more of these natural men becoming men that are born again by the Spirit of a living God. What are we doing with the stewardship that God has entrusted us with? If we were to take the picture of Joseph and Potiphar, and we were to replace God and ourselves with those characters, do you think that God has enough faith in us to be faithful stewards? That He can look down and say, I believe that I can entrust them with that, and they will do with it as I would. Or does He look down and say, boy, I don't know, I wonder about that one. Are we faithful in our stewardship of the mysteries of God? Let's stand together, shall we, with heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, we're thankful for Your Word, how it teaches and guides and instructs. Lord, the truth is, this is one of those messages that every single one of us in this room struggle with, some more than others, some to different level than others. But Father, it is a battle between the Spirit and the flesh. And while the flesh is weak and our spirit is willing, we find oftentimes that we fail in this area. I pray that You would help to strengthen, help us to live with this truth ever before us. That daily, every morning as we wake up and as we get ready for the day, we say, Lord, I want a wall on my right side and I want a wall on my left side. I want the path made plain. And then I want to be faithful to that which You have entrusted me to do. Father, would You raise up in this day a group of Your people that will say, I want to be a faithful steward of that which has been entrusted to me. I want to make sure that I am producing, doing the things that You would have us to do in it, that we would see fruit for the labor. 
I pray that you would help us in this invitation hour to examine our hearts and our minds. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will be able to show us the areas that need to be fixed. Maybe there's some areas that we need to rededicate to you. Maybe there are some commitments we need to make. Maybe there's some forgiveness that we need to ask. But whatever the case may be, I pray that you would help us in this hour to be able to be yielded and sensitive enough to the leading of your Holy Spirit that these matters will be dealt with and they'll be dealt with according to your grace. We pray that you'll bless the invitation and use it as you would see fit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. With heads bowed, please, and eyes closed, we'll have the piano and organ. As they play through a few verses of invitation, if God has spoken to you, perhaps you'd come. Are we being good stewards? I'm not talking about your money, your finances. I'm talking about that which God has entrusted to us. The mysteries of God that He's given to us. Father, as we close in prayer, we pray that you'll bless the message. And may it go forth with us in our hearts and our minds. May we meditate upon it throughout this day. May we not quickly forget it, but that we would purpose in our hearts that we'll live by it day by day. And Lord, draw us closer to you. May we be found faithful. The word one day we get to heaven, may we hear the words, well done. I pray that you'll bless and dismiss us with your blessings, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we'll go ahead and be dismissed. Uh, I think we'll talk about uh, the whole COVID thing. If you all are coming down for lunch, 